0: Welcome to the Monitor Daily Podcast. It's Monday, February 26th. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amelia Newcomb.
1: And I'm Stephen Humphreys.
0: In Israel, women want to be seen in a new light. In France... Women are working to be heard in a new way. The circumstances are very different, but two stories today share a common theme. Israeli women point to wartime work not only as solo family leaders or advocates, but as combat soldiers, a recent role for them. French women are challenging an adulation of male French film icons that brushes aside sexual abuse allegations piling up around them. However, gradually, these women are shifting perceptions, pressing against limitations, and breaking down roadblocks. They're changing the broader conversation about equality. For our selection of top news briefs from the wire services today, please go to csmonitor.com daily. And now, today's Monitor stories. Our first story, OpenAI's Sora, still in the testing phase has set off alarm bells, threatening to widen society's already gaping social trust deficit. How can people know what to believe when they truly can't believe their eyes?
1: In a world where artificial intelligence can conjure up fake photos and now videos, it's hard to know what to believe. The announcement of the AI film creator Sora has set off alarm bells in media circles. Technologists, meanwhile, are trying to mitigate the problem. Several companies are embedding codes that distinguish between AI-generated photos and the real thing. Courts have also grappled with how to distinguish fake videos. But the social trust deficit remains daunting. OpenAI has not yet released its video technology for Sora except to outside testers to figure out how to guard against misuse. The technology could prove a boon to artists film directors, and ad agencies, offering outlets for creativity and speeding up their productions. The challenge lies with those who might use the technology unscrupulously, and with oversight, given the volume of fake videos that might be produced. Photojournalists will also have to adapt, says Brian Palmer, a photographer based in Richmond, Virginia. For more than 30 years, he says, he's been trying to represent people honestly. Recently, he posted a code of ethics on his website, which starts, I do not, and will not, use generative artificial intelligence in my photography and journalism. The story was reported by Lauren Belsey for The Monitor.
0: Months after protesters marched in Tel Aviv, dressed as handmaidens, to thwart an attempted judicial overhaul by the far-right government, Israeli women are shifting perceptions of gender roles as they serve on the front lines of the war effort.
1: As Israel grapples with war and trauma, women's rights advocates say the conflict may serve as a turning point in society's views of women's roles. Israeli women are fighting in the army, taking care of displaced people, and pushing for justice or freedom for those killed or captured. When soldiers Leah and Alejandra two friends who are in ongoing operations on the ground in Gaza, volunteered for combat duty, they say they were seeking to prove their strength, test themselves, and break the stereotypes that only men can do combat. On October 7th, Alejandro's home community was among several overrun and attacked by Hamas. Friends and neighbours were killed. They came in and took our friends, our cousins, our mothers, our grandmothers, Leah says. It is very personal. Before the war, Israeli society was debating whether women should serve in combat. Now, the debate is over, the soldiers say. Approval is expressed not only in their peers' respect, but also in being stopped and thanked by strangers on buses, on the street, and in grocery stores people are starting to understand that we are really strong and can do our job, and they need us, Leah says. The story was reported by Taylor Luck in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, Israel for The Monitor.
0: Auteurs and actors are held in high esteem in France. That may be in part why the country is still wrestling with sexual abuse scandals involving some of its cinematic leading
1: lights. Gérard Depardieu is one of the iconic actors of French cinema. But Mr. Depardieu has more recently gained notoriety as a sexual predator. More than a dozen women have accused the actor of sexual assault or harassment, and he is accused of raping a woman in 2018. In December, the actor's fall from grace seemed complete after a broadcast of the documentary Depardieu, The Fall of an Ogre, which records the actor making sexist remarks. But two weeks later, despite widespread condemnation, 56 stars of French cinema signed an open letter on his behalf. French President Emmanuel Macron defended the actor on national television, saying, Mr Depardieu had Made France Proud. With all the progress made by the Me Too movement in allowing victims of sexual violence to be heard, why does it seem that French people are more willing to extend their trust to their cinematic icons instead of those who accuse them? This myth of seduction, which is widespread among France's cultural elite, is without doubt responsible for our refusal to realize That masculine domination is an integral part of social relations, even in the private sphere, says Genevieve Sellier, Professor Emeritus of Film Studies at bordeaux Montaigne University, and a reason why France was so late on Me Too. This story was reported by Colette Davidson in Paris for The Monitor.
0: founder of the first free public schools in the U.S., was born enslaved and won freedom not only for himself but also his family by commandeering a Confederate gunship. Why isn't he as famous as Harriet Tubman?
1: The life and legacy of Robert Smalls are the stuff of a made-for-TV movie. There's the thrilling seizure of a Confederate ship. A literal vessel of freedom for a man born into slavery. His political career after the Civil War, first in the South Carolina State House and then in the halls of Congress in Washington, resulted in a legacy of free public education for all U.S. schoolchildren. Legion M is planning a graphic novel of Small's story, with the hope of turning it into a feature film or TV series. The idea to bring his story to a larger audience. Was a no brainer, explains Rob Edwards, a screenwriter for Disney's Academy Award nominated The Princess and the Frog. The more I researched into his life, the more I realized this man never bowed down from a challenge. The odds were always against him, incredibly, and he was like, Who else is going to do this? Mr. Edwards says in a phone interview. That's why you need to tell the story now. We're fighting for the same things that we were fighting for then. The story was reported by Ken Macon in San Diego and Augusta, Georgia, for The Monitor.
0: Things rarely go according to plan. Understanding the art of improvisation, whether on stage or in life, enables us to dance with the surprises, mishaps, and pivots that life often
1: presents. It was the opening night of our middle school production of Half a Sixpence. My buddy John and I were 7th grade stagehands. Lisa was an 8th grade star, and I admire her to this day for a moment that had little to do with the play itself. It had to do with an ironing board. The auditorium filled with families, friends, and faculty. The lights dimmed. John and I rushed on stage with the props. As the scene opens, Lisa's character stands at an ironing board, ironing there was a problem. Guys, Lisa hissed. She had the iron in one hand and was supporting the ironing board with the others. It won't stay up. Guys. We had but seconds. John and I made futile efforts to fix it. The lights were coming up, as were the hairs at the back of my neck. We had to go. We plunged down the steps, abandoning her. So glad it's not me up there, I thought, guiltily. Poor Lisa was up there, clutching the ironing board and gamely pushing the iron back and forth. In seconds, she would have to cross the stage to her love interest. What would she do? What could she do? For the rest of this essay by Owen Thomas, go to our website, csmonitor.com, or see today's daily.
0: Now, commentary from the Monitor's editorial board on peaceful steps to defang gangs. For Caribbean leaders gathering this week to discuss how to end rule by gangs in Haiti, a lesson might be found from a truce brokered in Mexico between two warring drug cartels over the weekend. The best solution may lie in discerning the motives of those caught up in violence. There are people in gangs and drug cartels who... No longer want war. They no longer want to be killing each other, said Salvador Rangel, a retired Catholic bishop in Guerrero, the southern Mexican state where the two cartels overlap. It is crucial, he said, to take advantage of that desire to bring peace. Across Latin America, countries are trying different tactics against a rise of non-state violent groups. In Mexico, the truce in Guerrero arose from efforts by local religious leaders to break the violence and extortion disrupting the lives of ordinary citizens. Four bishops held meetings with leaders from the two cartels. It seemed neither side was willing to budge, so the bishops backed off. Then, on Saturday, the groups announced a breakthrough on their own. That's a wrap for the news. You can find the full-length versions of these stories in today's issue or at csmonitor.com daily. For more Monitor audio, including our serial podcasts, go to csmonitor.com podcasts. And thanks for joining us at the start of your week. We have many engaging stories coming your way, so please keep checking in. Tomorrow, we'll help you figure out what to read next with our 10 Best Books of February. Including a selection by longtime former Monitor contributor David Montero, today's Christian Science Spiritual Perspective contributor shares how, when we're willing to look beyond personal, material perspectives and consider things through a spiritual lens, we get a clearer, truer, and healing view. You can find the column in today's issue or at csmonitor.com/daily. Want to learn more about praying or just thinking more spiritually about the world? Sentinel Watch, a weekly podcast from the Christian Science Publishing Society, tackles timely topics of global interest with new episodes every Monday. Listen at sentinel.christianscience.com sentinelwatch or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to give a quick thanks to our staff, including today's audio production team, Jeff Turton and Caitlin Babcock. This podcast is produced by the Christian Science Monitor in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Copyright 2024.